You know, I think I think if you ask, if you would have asked Nehemiah what he wanted to do when he grew up, as Pastor Scott was saying that, I was thinking, I don't think rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem would have been on the list. Honestly. If you're new to Timberline, we're in a series right now called Nehemiah. That is both a guy's name and a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. You can open your Bible there. We're in chapter 2. And uh, this happened about 444 years before Christ. Nehemiah gets word that uh, Jerusalem has been destroyed. The walls are busted down. The gates have been burned by fire. He goes to the king. He was the cupbearer to the king. He gets uh, his wish granted to go and help rebuild the wall. And he's on his way. And we pick it up today when he is taking a ride around Jerusalem, physically looking at it himself. And he meets some people who will oppose this project. Now, I, I'm just, I believe with all of my heart, and this is really critically important for us as a church too, and as a team. Anytime people attempt something great for God, if God's hand is on it, and He blesses it, and He anoints it, there will still be people who oppose it. Always. I, I wish that wasn't true, but it is. And sometimes opposition comes from within, and sometimes it comes from non-believers who are just angry at believers, um, unchurched people who just have an angst against those of us who are people of faith in God. And Nehemiah is going to come up against some guys that just really want to take him out. And it just really makes me think about how we deal with opposition in our lives, both personally and as a church. What does that look like? Are we prepared for that? How do you handle criticism in your life? I want to talk about that today. So number one in your outline, if you have a bulletin, follow along. It's this. Tearing down is quicker and easier than building up. Tearing down is quicker and easier than building up. Let me read to you. What Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10 says, and it was at the end of my my message last week, it says, When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of my arrival, talking about Nehemiah coming to Jerusalem, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Now we're going to read more about them in just a few minutes because it gets worse. And they are angry that he's there and... um, And they oppose him during the entire project. You'll see in a few weeks some of the tricks they play and the things that they try to actually do. Now, what I have here today is, is I don't, I don't share this with everybody, but sometimes when I really like the people I'm around, I, I use my gifts in ways that, um, that really display my abilities. And I am going to build a tower today. This is no, um, small thing that I am doing here because I get very creative. Look at that. You didn't expect that, did you? See there? Um, I think you need to know that this has been something I've been working on. See, it's even getting wobbly, but I know how to counter, counterbalance it so that it goes back to strength on that side. It's, 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 it's a masterpiece. It's really amazing. That probably took me about 15 to 20 seconds to build because I'm not your average builder. Okay, Most people, it would take longer than that. But 15 to 20 seconds. 
Now, how long do you suppose, like, have you ever seen those videos where they implode these buildings like skyscrapers? They put dynamite in the foundation and, and they push a button and it just goes, just implodes. And, and it just takes seconds and it, and it takes years to build. And even in a 20 second build, how long do you suppose it would take for me to knock this down? A second, maybe? Um, you can keep that as a token. <laughs> Two seconds, just like that. It's, it's done. It's gone. And that is exactly what happens in life. You work hard on your integrity, your character. You work hard on your family. You work hard on a project. And it's so easy for someone to come along and just throw a knife right in the middle of your side. It's so easy for someone to come along and oppose you and criticize you and throw something out there on Facebook or right on your wall. Or, and, and it just sets you back a little bit and you go, what in the world is that about? That isn't what we're about as a church. And some of the things that are said about you or a church or your organization or company or business. These are challenging things because people are living more with an angst today than than in any time I can recall in my short 35 years on the earth. So it is it is a shock. What kind of person are you going to be? That's that's really a big question. What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to be a builder? Are you going to be someone who comes alongside others who are getting it done? And attach yourself to them and help them in the vision. Or are you going to be one of those, that's not going to work. What are they thinking? What are they trying to do? That's Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem. That's what they were doing to Nehemiah. And, and I'll tell you what, it impacts people when, when they're criticized for the work they're doing and the things they try to do. We'll talk about that in a second. The second thing that Nehemiah did, and the second thing in your outline, I've just called it the reality ride. The reality ride on the donkey. Nehemiah gets on a donkey, and he takes a ride all around the walls and gates of Jerusalem. I'm just going to read it. It says, So I arrived in Jerusalem. Three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I like that statement because Nehemiah is weighing all this vision in his mind. He's, he's planning. He's trying to say, God, what are you saying to me as I see this up close and personal? We took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate. Past the jackal's well. I love all these names. And over to the dung gate. That must have been interesting. To inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool. But my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So, though it was still dark, I went up the Kidred Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, nobles, officials, or anyone else in the administration. What does all that mean? Why is he writing this down? Something's happening in Nehemiah that is personal. He is assessing the situation for himself. Months earlier, his brother and some other people came to where he was in the kingdom and said, guess what? The walls have, have crumbled. The gates have been burned. And he, he wept. 
Uh, we talked about that on the first weekend. He, he took some days and mourned. He was sad. But now he's there and he wants to see it for himself. Have you ever had a reality moment when you sort of knew something was true, but now you really know it's true? You believed a hot fudge sundae was good, but then you ate one and you now know it's good. You know what I'm saying? Or, or something uh, other than that, when Bonnie took me to India, to Kolkata, and sex human trafficking was right in front of me, it was a reality ride. I had read some things about it, heard about it, but there is no way in my brain that I could have had room for what I personally experienced on that trip. It changed me forever. Those moments of reality is exactly what Nehemiah is talking about. And I think, I think it's important for us, yes, corporately, but individually today, I feel prompted to ask you a few questions about your reality. Do you ever think it's easy to deceive yourself about who you really are? How, if you're married, how your marriage really is? Because I think sometimes, I, Bonnie and I have had to have some reality checks before in our marriage where I think it's fine and she doesn't. Or she thinks it's fine and I don't. And unless we talk... Um, things aren't going to go well automatically. How many of you have learned that? And, and so we have to say, look, honey, we've got to talk about this. We need to pay attention to what we have here uh, or we're going to lose it. And that's, that's finance is the same thing. Am I living in reality? Are you living in a place where you can say, this is the reality of my life and not just being in denial about things. Nehemiah had to go and smell it and taste it and feel it and put his hands on it and say, this is a reality for me. Sometimes people get caught up in drugs, whether they're legal or not legal. And they, they're just blind to addiction and what can happen. Pornography and, and all this stuff that gets a hook in you. Alcohol abuse. It's just one. It's just one night. It's just, and all of a sudden, before you know it, they're living in a place where it's not real. I just believe God wants us through His Spirit today to say, Will I open my life to God Will I ride the donkey around Jerusalem, if I can say it like that, in my heart and examine the walls and examine the gates? Those are the places where stuff comes in and goes out. Am I willing to examine that? And if you are, then God will talk to you. God will minister to you and to that need. Don't live to the place where you never have a wake-up call in your life, because usually the wake-up call is the catastrophe, right? So, so anyway, let's move on. Number three. Will we engage in the vision? Nehemiah is really a visionary guy, and he's about to set some plans into motion that will allow us to talk about him 2,500 years later. <laughs> okay? I like that a lot. Verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Now, he's talking to co-workers here. He's talking to people who are going to help him. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me. I love that because he's owning the fact that it's God, not him. About my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began this good work. I love the fact that Nehemiah said, now I said to them, he's been on the ride, he understands the problem, and he's made up his mind. And he says, now I'm going to tell them what we're about to do. 
We have the gracious hand of God upon us. That's a plus. Would you agree? We have the favor of the king. That's a must in that culture especially. And he says that they, they were so moved by this that they said, yes, let's rebuild the wall. It's almost like, let's start over. We're not putting up with this disgrace anymore. Let's get it done. It's like a football team huddling up. And, and they, they are on like the two-yard line with 98 yards to go. And it's called the drive. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's too late for you. Okay? It's like Nehemiah put his arms around the good old boys club and said, look, this is going to be a lot of hard work. And they said, let's do it. And he says, well, you know, we could be injured or we could die. Okay, let's get it done. Well, it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay, we'll give. It's going to take a lot of time and energy. Okay, let's get started then. Well, it could be bloody and sweaty. Okay, then here's my blood. Let's go. Let's get this done. There was energy in that room. And I think anointing in that room for people to say, I'm in. What does it take for us to say, I'm in. I'm going to help. I'm going to be a builder. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can. You know, it's tricky sometimes in church life because you have leadership teams that really, I can tell you, we seek God, we pray, we try our best to find plans. And, and you guys have just done a great job in praying with us and coming alongside us in this vision for planting multi-sites around northern Colorado over the next decade. And if, if you're new to Timberline, um, we really do have a decade vision. And that is to plant churches, uh, Timberline venues across northern Colorado, possibly even southern Wyoming. And one of the things that we're really prayerful about is how to do that. And as we started going down this road, I feel like Nehemiah. We were going around looking at cities and looking at buildings. And some of you were involved in that. And we landed on this facility, which we've shown you pictures of it in the last week or two, and, and in Windsor. And uh, it just our first one is going to be in Windsor. And we started thinking about how we're going to do that. And I started thinking about our legacy as a church and thinking about the the distance that we've come because people sacrificed and cared about the future, even that would live beyond their lifetime. So in that, I want you to watch a three minute video that's about our history, all these buildings and people you see. Or part of this family. This church was planted in 1921. If you see yourself in this video, you're old. Thank you so much for allowing us as the leadership team of Timberline Church to dream the biggest dream we've ever had. Because of you, your faith, and you offering your time, talent, and treasure, we're going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. We are launching this campaign to plant a multi-site venue in Windsor, Colorado. It's a neighboring town. We love it. We're excited. And we have hundreds of families who already come to Timberline who live in Windsor. So they're excited as well. I, a couple things I want you to know is that uh, through this campaign, we're going to ask you to outlive your life. 
say, how does that happen? Well, I can think of people in the history of Timberline, and you just saw some pictures, and, and there's some storylines of people, I could name names, who are in heaven today, but they are still living, and they're alive and well in their legacy, the legacy they've left here at Timberline Church. I'm really deeply grateful for that. And many of you are on a path to do the same thing. So please understand, this campaign isn't just about trying to pull your teeth and get money out of you. This is honestly, I want you to catch the vision behind this. Studies have proven that when you commute more than about 20 to 25 minutes to church, you have to really like the church in order to continue to go there. But when you invite your neighbors, it's unlikely they're going to make it a part of their lives. So that's why we're going. Used to be, we just said, come one, come all, to Timberline. We built this facility, and rightly so, and people have come. But we're kind of doing something we've never done, and that is this idea of, quote, going, end quote. We want to go to where people are, and we want to make it easy for people in those towns and communities to invite their neighbors to experience a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what matters to us here at Timberline, and that's what I know matters to you in your heart. We are going to give about 10%, uh, exactly 10% actually, of all the funds given in this campaign to missions. And one of the ideas that I have is to take that 10% and invest it in some of the places in Windsor where we're going to plant this multi-site venue um, for the, to the ministries that already exist in Windsor. And so that's exciting and maybe some other places in the world that are doing similar things that the town of Windsor is doing. And I believe God's going to help us to accomplish it. So pray about it. Journey with us. Think about what God is asking you to do in time, talent, and treasure. Love you guys. God bless you. Amen. This is uh, Pastor Reza Zadeh, his wife Allison, and their uh, wonderful kids. Uh, he is going to be the campus pastor in Windsor. And most of you know that, but I've asked him to take a few moments and just share some thoughts quickly about the, the brochure that you have. Yeah, so um, I'm really thrilled about this opportunity. And uh, a couple of years ago, I heard a, heard a statement that really messed with me. And I really feel like this is a moment for us as a church to really take on what this statement says. I want you to think about this, and it's to reach people that we have never reached, we've got to do things that we've never done. And I want you to think about that for your life. I want you to think about that for the ministries or opportunities that you have, but then also for us as a church. And that's the way I've been thinking about that. For us as a church to reach people we've never reached, then we've got to do things we've never done. And as Pastor Darius mentioned, this is a new thing for us, but it's something that we really feel God has led us as a church to and as a pastoral staff to, and we're thrilled about that. Uh, going is a 10-year campaign. It's a philosophy of Timberline Church that's not just about planting a venue in Windsor, Colorado, but it's about mobilizing a body of believers here in Fort Collins to reach the world in creative ways. And so as you hear, the very first venue that we are planting is Windsor, Colorado. It is a fantastic community. A lot of you live in that town, and it's surrounded by some incredibly wonderful communities that are also growing as well. One of our hearts is to partner with churches that are already doing a great work in Windsor. And we know that there's great churches in Windsor and in Millican and Johnstown and Severance and these other areas that are going to be surrounding this venue that we have the opportunity to be a part of. But the reality is 
It's a growing community. All of those communities I just mentioned are growing rapidly. And we need churches to be able to be there to talk to people about who Jesus Christ is and how he sets us free from those things in our lives. So I'm really thrilled about that and also thrilled to equip you who live in Windsor in those communities to reach your neighbors and your coworkers and your families for Christ. What I want to do is I just briefly want to um, point your attention to this booklet. As you walked in the, the church today, you should have received this booklet. I'm not going to read through it. I'm going to trust that you can go ahead and do that and read through it yourself. But I do want to highlight just a couple of things and just walk you through kind of the main idea of this booklet and then share a few more thoughts. The first thing is you see, you see the first two pages really focus on the idea of why in the world are we doing this? Why are we going? Why is Timberline Church taking this, taking this challenge or taking this call that we believe God has given us? And if you read through that, you will see some specific things that we really believe. But, but ultimately, as Pastor Derry said in the video, there are some courageous people that have gone before us. And because of them, we're here. And we want to be able to do that for people in the future. So I want you to read through that. The second is where in the world are we going? And it talks about the different communities that we feel at this moment God is leading us to. Now, that list may change. We may get down a couple of years and God leads us to another community. But you see on those pages some other areas that we really believe that we want to plant venues. But then also talking about going, not just being about northern Colorado or southern Wyoming, but a worldwide vision that we have as a church. But what I do want to do is turn to the last page. The last page is probably one that, that I am most interested in talking to you about here, and, and it's the how in the world will we get there? And we're not going to get there with a few people doing all the work. The only way we're going to be able to fulfill this for the next 10 years is if we get on board as a church body and have an opportunity to be united in this. There's four areas there. There's work, people being trained, people serving specifically to, to do some things, to be trained to do some things and equipped to do some things. There's money, but we know that going is not about building buildings, but really about investing what God has given us in the lives of other people. Prayer and then networking. And to be honest, networking is something that we really need your help with. Um, some of you are very tech savvy, and we've created some opportunities online. If you go online, we have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter account for Timberline Windsor. Um, help us get the word out about Timberline Windsor and, and really get the word out to those people that you know in those communities. And we want to be able to serve as many people as we can and introduce them uh, to Jesus. One of the things that we're also doing is you walk out of this auditorium, um, table number 10 and 11, myself and our small little Timberline Windsor team, are at table 10 and 11. If you live in the community of Windsor or one of the surrounding communities and this interests you, please come to that table. We'd love to get your information. If you're interested in just finding out information, you might live in Fort Collins or Loveland, but say you want to stay informed, you want to find out what's going on, please come there. We'd love to get your information. And then lastly, if you want to serve, if you find yourself saying, I would really love to be a part of something like this, I want to be equipped to reach people for Christ, then please come to that table. On May 1st, we're going to be having a gathering of what we're calling our Timberline Windsor team. Everyone that signs up for the next four weeks, we're going to have you join our Timberline Windsor team. And so on May 1st, in the South Auditorium, we'll be having our first Timberline Windsor team meeting, and so we'd love to have you there. And then lastly, if you come to table 10 and 11, if you have a heart to host a community gathering at your home or at a park, our hope is to have some prayer and worship gatherings from now until the building opens. So if you have a heart to open up your home in Windsor or those surrounding communities, please come there, and we'd love to get your information. But we're excited, and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do through this body. Hey, let's say thanks to Pastor Rez. A lot of work has gone into this already. Really cool.
We've, uh, we've really talked about time, talent, and treasure. And sometimes people can give time because they can't give money. Sometimes they can give money because they can't give time. And that's just a reality. And we're all at different places. And that's why we have this card in the chair back in front of you. If you're on the front row, maybe those in the second row could hand you one of these if you haven't received one yet. Because I know front row people have the most money of all right here. Um, you know, I, I want you to take one of those out. Last weekend we introduced this. If you were not here, uh, please take one out and put it in your hand. And we're going to pray over these at the end today. Uh, our goal is to raise about 800000 in cash to buy the building. And then about $1 million to $1.2 million to do the build-out and launch the ministry. So it's around a couple million dollars. We believe we can do that. We're going to take the next three weekends to talk about it, just like we are today. Take ten minutes out of a weekend, a part of the message. Because this is what Nehemiah felt. This is what he dealt with. This is what it's like. And it's, there's a reality in this. Um, can I tell you some good news? This is the first weekend of this that we've been accepting cards. Do you know how much we've received already before the weekend just from people who said, I want to be a part of this? How many of you would like to know? Okay. Come up here and I'll tell you secretly because not everybody. No, uh, just over $200,000. And so let's give God praise for that. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Amen. We have a lot of people signing up. A lot of people who have said, you know, I haven't, I've been out of work for a long time. I can't do it financially, but I will give hours out there at that building. And so we're going to use a lot of volunteers to build and work and labor. You know, when I think of this, it excites me because Nehemiah basically had to handle the stress of it all with the help of God. The fourth point in your outline is this. How will I handle the critics? How will I handle the critics? Because there are always critics. There are always people who have something to say to, to disrupt people's lives, to discredit something they're doing, to whine about something. It's just amazing to me. Look at verse 19. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshev the Arab came, uh, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they ask? The New King James Version says, they laughed at us and despised us. Now, I don't know if you've ever had anyone do that to you, but it's not a very good feeling. And I started thinking about what happens when we come under criticism. And, and for, for me, I just put, how do I respond? What are some ways people respond when they are criticized? I think uh, I wrote down four or five ways. You know, when, you, when someone bites you, what do, you, what do we usually do? What's our tendency? <laughs> to bite back harder. Right? You throw one bomb, I'll throw two. And, and then when we get in this escalation like this, and, and then another way is to withdraw. I see people who, man, they come under criticism, they just withdraw. They just melt down, it's just done. And they, they just. Another one is to never attempt that again. I remember the first time, I, I don't think it was the first time, but one of the times I, I attempted a, a three-pointer in a basketball game, and it was an air ball. I ran back down the other way going, I will never do that again. You know what I mean? And, and I haven't. No, I'm kidding. I have. But the idea is that sometimes we just say, I'm not trying that again. And some of you today personalize this. Some of you, you've been criticized for something and you just have run away from attempting it ever again. And that may not be God's plan. God may need to make you strong. Another way is just the, I would call it the slow boil. It just, anger starts to grow. And there's people in our culture that all of a sudden they just get a gun and walk into some place and start shooting people. Because there's this, this feeling in them and they're never heard and people criticize them. Or they just become bitter. Um, I tell you, I've met a lot of bitter people, even around churches. 
It's sad to me. But I can usually tell by a critical email or, or a card or something that someone, no matter what we say or try to do to help them, they are just going to be angry no matter what. And, and don't be like that. Be the people of God who deal with criticism in a healthy way. I want to pray over some of you uh, before we're done here because some of you grew up around criticism from your parents. Maybe you had a mom or a dad that just constantly, or siblings that just pounded on you emotionally and a neighborhood, an issue, and that criticism from someone in a place of influence in your life just sort of beat you up with it. I want to have a special moment of prayer with you before we go today because that can change your future forever. And God may just want to heal you of that and start a new process for you. Last thing, number five. Be a part of something bigger than yourself. That's why I like these opportunities um, for us at Timberline. I get nervous about it sometimes, um, anxious about it, because it's hard. It's a challenge for us to do the things God has called us to do. But I want to be a part of something bigger than what I can do by myself. Verse 20, I replied, this is, this is him talking to those critics. Nehemiah says, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, His servants, will start rebuilding this wall. But you have no share, no legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. You know what he's doing? He's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, you know what? All of us on this side, we're going to actually do something about it. Those of you over here who want to just stand back and be critical of every plan that comes along... Help yourself. But when it's rebuilt and it's done, you can't share in its glory. That's quite a statement. And it's quite a concept. Because I want to be a part of what God's doing. And I want to be a part of praying over it and believing with you for the stuff God is putting in our life. I, uh, I love the phrase, outlive your life. And when I heard Reza say that a while back, I started thinking about that a lot with the people I saw on the screen a while ago from those videos, people who have gone before us. Will we outlive our life here at Timberline? Someday, I just I love the, the thought of having someone in some other city, in some other campus, a hundred years from now, and they'll be saying something like, you know, it's time we need to bulldoze that campus over on Timberline Road because it is old. But those guys had a vision. I believe God's going to help us to outlive our life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. It's powerful what you do in us and through us. Thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for a guy who was not afraid to take it on the chin, to bounce back with doing the will of God in his life, and to not be ashamed of the call you've put on him, God, and for the people who stepped up to get this done. Thank you. With heads bowed in these auditoriums today, you guys, I really want to pray over some of you who feel like this current challenge of overcoming criticism or abuse in your history, it's a real thing. And I really believe God wants us to start with that today in our prayer moment. Because unless you can deal with that in reality and own it and recognize it, it's going to be really hard for you to forge into a new future. It really is. But listen, God can heal you. God can bring about new stability in your emotional life and understanding that He created you and He loves you just the way you are. And He will help you in the transformation process of calling you to be fully who He created you to be. But you've got to get that old blanket off of you. How many of you would say, pray for me? I know 
that some of those criticisms and issues or abuse in my history have impacted my life. And I need, I want you to pray over me today. Hold your hand up if that's you. Both auditoriums. You can put them right back down. This is between you and God. It's acknowledgement. Church, pray with me in faith. Lord, would you bring the beginning of a healing process to our brothers and sisters? They love you. They've partnered with you. And they have history like all of us. And today we need to hear from you in our hearts. We need you, Holy Spirit, to renew our minds. We lay ourselves open. Help us to do a reality run around our walls, around our gates. Show us, Lord. I pray. Secondly, I feel prompted right now to pray for some of you who maybe you've tricked yourself into believing it's all okay. But there are habits, issues, addictions, things in your life you need to come to reality with. And God's going to help you. And you don't need to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray over you. So just own it. Right now, say, God, this prayer is for me. I accept it. Lord, thank you for a moment of truth and reality where we can say, I'm struggling here. I need your help. Show us how to hold on to you and climb into your lap and let you be the leader of our lives in every area. Thank you for your love. And Lord, for those in these rooms that might not even know you personally, maybe they they know they're separated from you today. I just ask you to show them how much you love them right now. Knock on the door of their heart. If that's you today, would you just pray this from an open heart? Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. I know I'm separated from you. I accept the fact that you love me and you have a plan for my life. And today I come to you and I trust you in my future. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We, we pray this. Lastly, I don't know if you guys have a card in your hand, but if you have it there, that faith promise, would you just put it in your hand? Whether you filled it out or not, or are going to or not, I just want to pray over these for whoever does. Lord, as I hold this in my hand and we hold this in our hands, we, we know that it's important for you to speak to our hearts. I just pray right now that people would not feel some undue pressure or guilted into anything, that this would be an awesome moment for you to lay in our hearts what you want us to do and how we can do this together. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. You know, some of the anxiety that a pastor gets when you go through stuff like this causes you to pray really hard and make sure you're doing the mind of God the best you can. And and one of, the, one of the things I can honestly tell you that God spoke to my heart in, in presenting this over these next few weeks is three words. And I've never had it quite like this before in all the stuff we've done as a church. And here's the three words God keeps putting in my heart. Trust the people. Trust the people. And everyone said... Amen. Go get them, church. Our prayer teams are going to be up here in both auditoriums. If you want someone to pray for you, we would love to do that. Have a great rest of your weekend. Go by the tight tables. Sign up if you want to know more about Windsor. God bless.